Remember to check out our Sunday School video for today. The topic is joy. Also, I wanted to make sure everybody knows about an event that we're having at the church building. It's called Carols and Coco. Uh, the idea is this is going to take the place of our annual Christmas party, and it's going to be December the 20th at 2 p.m. at the church building. Now, this is going to be in a drive-in setting, so if you come to our, our drive-in services, it's going to be kind of like that. We'll park in the same area. You can get some, some hot cocoa on one side, and then you come to the other side, and then you'll be able to listen to some Christmas carols. Now, these Christmas carols are going to come from different families or individuals from our church um, who are, are wanting to sing uh, a Christmas song. You know, you're, you're welcome to sing only one if you'd like, or maybe two or three if you even want to do that. These songs, they don't have to be religious songs. Uh, this is just kind of a Christmas gathering like our usual Christmas party. So please uh, let me know if you would like to uh, sing a song. So I'm going to try to have kind of a program so that way we can have a little bit of an, an order to the event. Um, this is also an opportunity that maybe if, if you don't feel as comfortable singing a, a song uh, by yourself or with your family, um, you could possibly maybe even read a scripture um, or even uh, read a poem, something like that. You know, this could just be an opportunity for, for us as a church to come together. And I know that we have a, a lot of, especially of our, our younger members who have a lot of talent and they've been gifted in the area of being able to sing songs. This gives them an opportunity to be able to share that. Uh, with some of the other ones of our members and our other members to be able to appreciate that talent. So hopefully you'll be able to make that. And remember, it's December the 20th at 2 p.m.
Christians to be reminded on a very regular basis exactly who Jesus was and who Jesus is, and I guess if you want to even say it, who Jesus will always be. That's why so many uh, pages of the New Testament are talking about Jesus Christ and the purpose that he came here for, or also the purpose of why he's going to be coming back. And we see a lot of different phrases, phrases such as like King of Kings, uh, Prince of Peace, Lord of Lords, and other phrases as well that are connected with Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want us to take a look at the book of Colossians, just a few verses from that book, actually. In Colossians, the very first chapter of that book, verses 15 through 23, what we read about is kind of a little bit of, of an unfolding of those different titles that I was just talking about that are, are connected with Jesus Christ. They all show his power, his importance in our lives, and in the world around us. So let's take a look at some of these things and, and make sure that we remind one another constantly who Jesus is to us and how much he's done for each and every one of us. The first title that is connected with Jesus is that he is the King of Kings. And in this passage here in, in the book of Colossians, really the entire book of Colossians, is all about how Jesus is entirely at the top. There is no one greater no one above Jesus Christ. 
It makes sense because, after all, throughout the Old Testament, repeatedly, that is how the God of the Bible is described. So whenever we come to the pages of the New Testament, that is how Jesus is described. He is our King of Kings. But there's a little bit more about that. In fact, there's a lot more about that. Let's take a look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18 together. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Now, this idea and why I connect this passage to this phrase that Jesus is the King of Kings comes to us at the very last part here in, in verse 18. Really, all of this, of course, is talking about it. But there, that last phrase in verse 18 says, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. That means he is at the very top. Isn't that what the phrase that he is the king of kings? You know, he is the king above all other kings. That is our God. That is Jesus Christ whom we serve. And we see so many of these phrases that it's just, it's amazing to start to, to just kind of think about what all this really means about this son of God. We see that in verse 15, he is this image of the invisible God. So if you want to know what God himself looks like, we look to the sun and we can see this beautiful image of God. We also see that he is called the firstborn over all creation. Now that phrase firstborn, if you look throughout the Old Testament, what you will find with that phrase is, or that, that title is, uh, yes, it can mean the one who was born first, and, and that makes sense. But even more so from a Jewish perspective, that phrase about being the firstborn is connected to some people who actually weren't really the very first one that were that were born from their family. But they have that that role. The role of the firstborn received a double portion. The role of the firstborn was really to to take things over uh, whenever that that present generation who is who is controlling things at that time, whenever they uh, uh, go on to, to be with the Lord, the next generation, the firstborn specifically is called to step up and to be able to to continue things on to continue the faith and continue and to continue um, life as that family that was the role of the firstborn so right here we're not necessarily saying that that Jesus is the the first of all creation after all he is the one who created everything that's what verse 16 talks about Jesus is not part of this creation but he is firstborn in the sense that he is at the top he has that prominent role. He is the one who is in charge. And in him, all things were created. That's what verse 16 tells us. But what does that mean? That all things were created in him. That means everything. That means things in heaven. That means things on earth. If you want to look at it another way, kind of the way that uh, that I would say it, you know, that means the things that are up there and the things that are down here, everywhere. And then that that's not just, you know, enough. It's not all just kind of the things in heaven, which which I would say that includes the angels but that also would include, you know, the stars and the galaxies that, that we are finding out constantly more and more about. And that goes hand in hand with this next phrase, things that are visible and things that are invisible. Wow, you know, just start to think about what that means. Our God, Jesus Christ, he is the creator of all those things. Everything up there, everything down here where we walk, everything that we see, everything that we don't see. I mean, think about that. 
What else have we been able to see that these who lived in the New Testament times weren't able to see? You know, I, I really like, especially, you know, this time of year, because um, it does kind of get dark earlier. I don't know if I like that so much, but I like that the stars come out whenever it gets dark, because I love I love looking at the stars and I love seeing all the different you know constellations and stuff. And and I really like it whenever I can take a telescope and to be able to see things that we just can't see with our eyes. That's I believe, is part of what's described here in this visible and invisible. Yeah, it's invisible to our eyes but it is also visible through the lens of a telescope or, or through binoculars. And these are things that, of course, you know, those who, the, the church at, at, uh, of the Colossians, they wouldn't have been able to see some of these things we can see with a telescope or even a microscope for that matter. Um, but we can see those things. And we know that our God, we know that this son, who is this image of the invisible God, he is the one who created everything that we can see, everything that we can't see. No matter what it is, no matter how big or how small it is, our God, our Jesus Christ, he has created all of these things. So, I mean, there's so much importance about understanding that Jesus Christ is the one who created all of these things. We also get a little bit of a glimpse into why things were created. Verse 16, it says that, that all things have been created through him and for him. You know, sometimes we might wonder, why did God create everything that he created? Well, he created these things for him. They all do serve a purpose. Everything in all of creation, even if we don't understand that purpose, it serves a purpose. Everything that God has made. And, and our God, we can definitely see so much about him and how creative he is. And I think every time that we see a human being who is very creative in different ways, what we are seeing is that image of God shining through in their lives, through that creativity, uh, that, that form of, of creativity there that we see in people, you know, whether that be through art or through music or all the different ways in which uh, we as humans can uh, have those different talents. They reflect our God. They reflect our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the King of Kings, not only in all of creation is what verses 15 through 17 talk about, but also in verse 18, we find out that, well, not that this is really news to us, but it was perhaps news to them at some point, he is the head of the body, which, which is the church. So he is at the top whenever it comes to the things in the church. So whenever you look at this, you find out that he is at the top whenever it comes to creation. He is the king above all other kings. We also find out that whenever it comes to matters of the church, Christ is the head of the body. He is the one who is at the top. You know, the, the head of the body is, is like that term of firstborn of all creation. He is above us. He, he has that prominent role, the king above all kings. We also find out a little bit more as to how or rather why he has that role. And that in verse 18 says that he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. Now, Jesus was not the first one to raise from the dead, but he is the firstborn from among the dead, meaning that he was the first one after he raised up from the dead, he didn't die. He never died again. He is our life. And because of all these reasons, everything in heaven and on earth, everything in all of creation, everything within the church, anyone who is part of the church, everything Jesus Christ is to have supremacy. He is to be at the top. He is our King of Kings. But that's not the only phrase that we connect with Jesus Christ and learn about him. Yes, he is our King of Kings. 
but he is also called the Prince of Peace. And in Colossians, in the next couple of verses, we turn our attention and we notice that. And we notice how Jesus Christ brought this peace to us. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, the Apostle Paul says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, talking about in Jesus Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. We find out from this wonderful passage how Jesus Christ can be called the Prince of Peace, how he brought that peace to you and how he brought that peace to me. He did this because God saw fit to have the fullness of him dwell within Jesus Christ. That's what verse 19 tells us. And then verse 20 tells us that that's how he was able to bring peace to everything, whether things are on this earth whether things are in heaven. So whether things down here, things up there, everything around us, he has made peace. And he's done that through his blood that was shed on the cross. The cross was not, in, in some respect, it was not a good sight in the sense of if you were to witness it, it wouldn't have been a good thing. But it was a good thing in the sense of what it accomplished for us. By that blood that was shed on the cross, he brought us peace. He brought us life. He gave up his life so that we can have life, so that we can have peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Jesus Christ is the one who has brought this to each and every one of us. But there's still more. The third and final phrase for us to look at this morning is that Jesus is called the Lord of Lords. And to that, we also will turn our attention as we look at the book of Colossians in the next few verses as well. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, Paul writes, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now, I said to this, this passage, what we find out is that Jesus can rightfully be called the Lord of Lords. This last phrase, Paul talks about how he is, he's become this servant of God. Whenever we become a servant of God, whenever we choose to become a servant of God, and, and by the way, all of us who are Christians, we are servants of God. We are called to be servants of Christ. Whenever we are serving Christ and call ourselves servants, that means that we are accepting Christ as our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is the one who is King, but he's also the one who's brought us peace. And he is our Lord. He is our Master. He is the one through which that gives us reason for everything that we do. And we are the ones who are supposed to serve him. That's how it's supposed to be. And you look at this passage right here, and it, he's really talking about people who were oh, away from Christ, away from God because of their evil behavior. That at one point or another will describe pretty much each and every single one of us. We have been pushed away from God, not because God pushed us away, but because we pushed ourselves away from God because of our evil behavior. But now, what has Christ done for us? In verse 22, through Christ's physical body, through his actual flesh and blood, through his death, he presented us holy in the sight of God. 
Notice also how holy that is, without blemish, free from accusation. That's what Jesus Christ has done. You know, sometimes we we start to kind of backpedal a little bit. And whenever we're backpedaling a little bit and, and not fully embracing the fact that we as Christians are called to be holy, what we are doing is we're actually kind of belittling what Christ did for us. Because through Christ's death, what he did is he died to be able to present us holy, to be able to present us without blemish, to be able to present us free from accusation. Now, sometimes we, we think that that's, you know, that, that, that we're boasting about these things or, you know, Christians who, who openly proclaim these things are boasting. But that's not really what it is. What it is, is this is what Jesus Christ has done for each and every one of us. We need to embrace that. And we also see that that with this also includes a little bit of a warning in verse 23, that it's not like this this gift that Christ just gave us and that there's nothing that is expected of us in return. No, there is actually something that is expected of us in return. Now, that doesn't mean that we are working for our salvation. It just means there are some expectations from us. Another definitely easy example for us together, whenever we uh, decide to to marry someone, you know, it, it doesn't mean that, you know, you have to say that, oh, well, you have to agree to all these things before I'm, I'm going to marry you. But what is stated is whenever you choose to marry somebody, there are some things that are, are, are required of each one of us. And here, uh, actually time and time again, our part of our relationship with God is described like a marriage situation. Yeah, we are described as the body of Christ, but we're also described as the bride of Christ. And here, we see that, that part of what's expected of us is found in verse 23. We are expected to continue in our faith, established and firm. We are also expected to not move away from that hope that is held out in the gospel. After all, why would we not be willing to do these things? You know, why would we not automatically be willing to continue in our faith? Why would we ever want to step away from that hope that the gospel gives us? Yet we see examples of people from throughout history, from, from the very beginning, actually, who have done this. They've stepped away from that hope of the gospel. But this gospel is what gives us hope. This gospel is what allows us to be able to, to call Jesus Christ our Lord. Whenever we submit to him, whenever we choose to continue in our faith and follow him fully, to be a servant of our master, our Lord of Lords, who is also the Prince of Peace, and who is also the King of Kings. It's so important that we remember who Jesus Christ is and always worship him as, as the, uh, the wonderful being and creator of the universe that he is. Let's make sure that we re remind each other of this. Let's make sure that we continue in this faith. Am I fully serving from within? In my heart and in my soul, he 
shall reign. He shall reign.